0: Well, good morning, folks. Thanks for coming today. What what a great service so far, right? Yeah. I think you're all praying. Boy, I hope this guy doesn't mess it up. But anyway, what a great what a great service. Thanks for coming today. We're glad that you're here, and uh, what what a what a glorious time of year too, right? It's it's beautiful. I love the fall. Uh, yesterday, last night, I had to speak at a uh, banquet for Child Evangelism Fellowship. I came to Christ when I was a kid, through the Ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship, and they, they have units around the state, and their, uh, their unit from Tioga County uh, invited me last night to, to come and speak at a banquet. I will do just about anything for free food. And so I drove, uh, if, you've, if it was in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, you know where that is? You cannot get there from here. It's one of those places. But I, uh, I left home and it was raining pretty good when I left home, but I got out to Tuncanic, like on Route Six. You go all the way on Route Six, and by uh, by the time I got to Tuncanic, it cleared and it was uh, partly cloudy. The clouds were glorious. The trees, and if you ever get an opportunity, I don't have anything. This doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going to say. It's just it was a great experience to drive out Route Six, go through uh, go through my hometown. I was born in Machapon. Pennsylvania. So I went through the hospital, the building where I was born is torn down. I don't think, I don't think it had anything to do with me, but uh, it's torn down. But I stopped and had a moment of silence, and then uh, went through Laceyville, went through Tawanda, went through Mansfield to Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. If you ever been out there, the Pennsylvania um, Grand Canyon is out past Wellsboro, and it's just it's just beautiful, and uh, it was just a great night, and we had a chance to uh, celebrate with the. Uh, child evangelism folks in Tioga County I also bring you greetings from Peggy my wife left me this week Uh, she went to visit our daughter in Germany and uh, so she sends her greetings I talked to her yesterday or last night for them they're six hours ahead of us I guess over the weekend in Berlin they celebrated the 30th anniversary of the uh, fall of the wall and uh, Christy took her our daughter who's a missionary from our church uh, took a youth group to the Brandenburg Gate, which was separated the east and the west, and they actually, with incredible uh, projection, showed movies onto the pillars, films onto the pillars of the Brandenburg Gate of like uh, John F. Kennedy's speech, of uh, President Reagan's speech, of the wall actually coming down. They showed it. I guess it was just glorious. And uh, yeah, look, if you're on Facebook, you can look at some of the pictures for Christy or Peggy. They put on facebook and so that was it's hard to believe right somebody said that it's been 30 years of the wall fell and uh my my goodness but anyway uh yeah peggy sends her greeting as well um byron and i were talking earlier we need to pray none of this i'll I'll get to my message in a minute we need to pray for don snyder we really do don and shirley are really really good friends of wyoming valley church right And Don is not doing well. Don is in the hospital with infection. And uh, Byron, the infection is pretty much everywhere, right? It's in his system. And uh, because of that, there's ups and downs, right? You can imagine, right? Isn't that how it is? And uh, there's other things going on. So they've checked lungs. They've checked liver. And, uh, yeah, I asked Byron if I could say this, and I'm not sure it was... A setback, but with what he has, it's up and down. It's good news, bad news type thing a lot. And so, yeah, we're going to talk about prayer this morning. But if you if you think of it or or jot it down, pray for Don and Shirley. And uh, yeah, they they need to they they're praying for answers. They're praying for help. And uh, yeah, they're really good friends of our church. He's in the hospital in uh, Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, which is uh, near Harrisburg. And uh, yeah, pray pray for Don, and then ladies, right? We need to pray for Shirley. Shirley really want right. Let's, Shirley really really wants to come uh, next Sunday for that and uh, for the for the women's harvest. I'll touch base with her. I'm sorry. I'll touch base with her during the week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If if I can help and make a phone call to somebody else. I, I am not volunteering to speak at a women's tea. I'm not. I told Todd that he'd have to do it. But anyway, um, I, yeah, so, so let me know. But please pray for Don and Shirley especially. Okay, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians uh, chapter 3. We're going to be in the last paragraph, which starts at verse 14 and goes down through verse 21. This is actually a prayer of the Apostle Paul. It's interesting, a, a technique here in the Scriptures. That if you look at verse 1 of chapter 13, it says, For this reason I, Paul, and probably in your Bibles, uh, in the English Bible, there's probably some grammatical technique that's there. But he writes it, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. And it's almost like he takes a breath or writes a parenthesis because then it kind of quits. But then in verse 14 it picks up, For this reason I, bow," and, and so he's, he's kind of getting back. To his prayer request. And he's praying specifically for the believers that were there in Ephesus. And it really, really is interesting, encouraging, convicting what he prays about. Um, But to get started, I don't know if this is just my weird personality or my weird background, but do you remember the uh, Popeye cartoons when you were a kid? Remember those? Okay, not the Robin Williams Popeye movie. That was a little weird, right? Compared to the Popeye cartoon. Popeye, right? Was this skinny, scrawny weakling who always got picked on. <coughs> and his girlfriend, the love of his life, was olive oil, right? <laughs> remember, remember Olive Oil? Anyway, I it was she was the Excuse me. She was the love of his life, but uh, there was a nemesis, right, Brutus. And Brutus in the Popeye cartoon was always, uh, you know, kicking sand in Popeye's eyes and uh, was always beating him up. And uh, then out of the blue, there was the magic of yes. spinach, right? And if you well, remember the cartoon, there was always uncanny stuff that happened, and in the middle of all of that, <coughs> spinach would somehow appear and Popeye either with his... Remember the pipe? They could, he could use it as a saw, you know, and open up the can of spinach or he would somehow... some Something like a building would fall on a can of spinach and it'd get in his mouth and all of a sudden the spinach transformed this <coughs> this weakling, this scrawny, skinny Popeye into Popeye, right? And the muscles... Remember the one, that was probably all of them, where the muscles would show a ship going by, you know. And he had, he had these unbelievable muscles, and all of a sudden, Brutus couldn't, I mean, Brutus was nothing then, and Popeye could beat up Brutus, and Popeye always won, you know, olive oil and all of that. That was Popeye. And I was thinking that, you know, getting ready for today. It's almost like we think or we hope or we wish that there was some kind of spiritual spinach. Don't we do that? We sang some—I mean, some great, great songs this morning. That isn't it great how God? We had no idea how God fits in the music with the message, and that certainly happened today. But we we sang about dark times and hard times, and how God is there during that. But I think humanly, we're looking for that spiritual spinach. We're pop, and we could. Open up our mouth and get the spinach, and somehow we think it's coming to church every now and then, or reading a devotional, or praying when we get in trouble, and we're looking for that spiritual spinach. Where all of a sudden, you know, once we were this spiritual weakling, you know, getting kicked around by life, getting kicked around by everything, but now I got the spiritual spinach. I went to church, or I read a devotional, or I prayed, and now I have this, and I'm strong. Well. That's pretty dumb illustration, but it does kind of fit this passage. Because Paul prayed for strength for the people of, of Ephesus, and he prayed specifically for their spiritual strength. I'll tell you something else that we often do is that we pray as believers, and we end up praying for physical things, right? We end up praying for, and, and yeah, the Bible talks about that, about praying for that. But the Bible most often talks about prayer, that we pray for spiritual things in the lives of people. And here Paul is praying about that. And there's a, uh, I just want you to notice this. I'm not going to head there necessarily, but I want you to notice that in these verses, the Trinity is, is spelled out. There's a theological truth in this passage. This passage talks about the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you have your notes, I made them, I printed them this week, and so I printed them on orange paper so that it would be fall-ish. And because they match Amy's outfit today, just kidding about that. I just saw that. I just noticed that. And uh, but uh, in in there, there is a box that talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you were here Wednesday night, what I mean, Wednesday nights are a real, real blessing. But we talked about the Holy Spirit a little bit. Remember that? And, and so that kind of like uh, touched my mind a little bit. My mind has been touched for years. But anyways, <laughs> my, my mom and dad would say. But anyway, uh, I put the, some of the ministries of the Holy Spirit because in this passage, he talks about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the role, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it talks about how Christ can dwell in our hearts. And then he talks about God, that God sent his son. So the Trinity, God the Father. So the Trinity is all here, and then he ends with an incredible, and we'll get there, um, an incredible closing to this prayer. But let me read it. It's on the, uh, on the slides, which is, I'm preaching from New King James, and so that version is there, but just follow along with me in your Bible, uh, or on the slide, and I'm going I'm to read this passage, uh, starting with verse 14, Ephesians 3, starting with verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, see it's a prayer, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, from whom, and Jesus Christ the Son, from whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named, named after God the Father, amen, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly Above all that we can ask, that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a powerful passage, right? We're going to talk about it for a few minutes. Before we do that, let's pray. We'll ask God's blessing upon the Bible study. Father, I thank You for Your Word. And I pray that these verses would touch our hearts, would work in our hearts, and would help us to be more like Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, work in our hearts. We all need You. We all need to hear from You. And Father, I pray that uh, this passage would be uh, uh, would would accomplish that. Would accomplish Your will in our lives. Father, help us through Your Word, draw us closer to You in 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 every way. Father, thank You for the the ministry that you have in our lives, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, as we're going to talk about all of those roles, those persons of the Godhead today. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time that we could gather today and bless our hearts. Bless your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, yeah, in, in this passage, and I, I mentioned this a little bit before, it starts with, for this reason I bow my knees. And so right away, it gives us an indication that this is a prayer. Folks, now, let, let, me, let me just talk to you a little bit. Well, we're going to talk a lot, but I just want to talk a little bit about the posture of prayer for a minute. There is no rule in the Bible that we have to bow our knees to pray. Right? You understand that. I was driving across Route 6 last night. And I prayed. My wife is gone. I prayed for my wife. I prayed for my daughter. I prayed for church today. I pray, one of the things that I do while I pray, or while I drive, is, is pray. And um, I I didn't get down on my knees in my jeep and and pray. It's okay to pray while you're driving, right? I I, I pray often that way. I got home last night and the Yankees were still on and uh, and I didn't pray for the Yankees. Uh, they didn't need my help last yesterday, but uh, they won. But by the way. But then, uh, yeah, I got in bed and I prayed. There's no rule. But, on the other hand, in fact, there are several illustrations in the Bible of the posture of prayer. Of how people gathered uh, on the beach and prayed. How people gathered in church and prayed. How people uh, stood to pray. How people prayed at meals. That is, in the Bible. And And then Paul bowed his knees. I think one of the things that's true about when we bow our knees in prayer is that we are showing reverence. And in almost every case where the Bible talks about bowing our knees in prayer, it's because of a prayer that was incredibly specific and incredibly important. And I'm not sure that I'm a guy that ought to be bowing my knees very often. All of you would have to help me get up. (laughs) I'm a big boy with bad legs. But anyway, I think that's a good lesson. In other words, it starts by saying basically this this is important. It's important enough for me to bow in reverence before a holy God and pray about these things. There's something else that is incredibly interesting, I think, about this passage. One of the things, and I've said this to you before, and Pastor Todd has as well, and if you've been in church, you you know this is true. When the Bible mentions something over and over and over and over again you and i are probably like that as well it is because it's important when you read this passage there is a word the english word is you and as we read this passage it is as if the holy spirit of god the, the the god himself is pointing his finger at us as individuals and saying okay pay attention this is for you right Some of you, some of us probably, although it's I'm looking around a little bit, no offense, because even this is a little bit before my time, but you remember Uncle Sam? You do, right? It was first launched I think originally in World War I, but was used a lot in World War II as the recruiting poster. Uncle Sam wants you. I want you for the U.S. Army. And the idea behind this poster of, of Uncle Sam is that you could not escape the point of Uncle Sam. You, uh, you look over here, you look over there, you look down, you look up. In other words, dude, <laughs> that you know, I, he didn't say that, I said that. Dude, I'm pointing at you, right? And so in this passage, I think the Apostle Paul wanted the Ephesian believers and wanted us to understand by inspiration of God, dude... <laughs> God is talking to you, right? God's talking to me. And so the outline today, the verses that we're going to look about again at until the uh, conclusion of this prayer, uh, is, is specific, is individual. It's God is pointing right at us. And again, it's I think it's incredibly interesting that God is saying, okay, this is for you. And these are all spiritual things, prayer requests that Paul had for these people that God would do and is doing and wants to do in our hearts and our lives. So in saying that, here's what I want to talk with you about. Paul's prayer request for the Ephesian people. And then he just says that, I, that, that you, would, that's his prayer, that you, 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 dude, you would have these three things. And he talks about these three things that I'm going to do quickly, and then we'll talk about the conclusion, which I think is really, really cool. In this passage. So here's the outline. And I didn't do fill in the blanks or anything like that for your outline. So you have all of this. Not all that I have on the PowerPoint. But you can fill in your own blanks or whatever. But here's the outline. That you would have the inward strength from the Holy Spirit. That you would have faith in Christ. And that you would know or experience the love of Christ. Those three things. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about. So let's talk about this number one. Notice in this passage, for this reason I bow my knees, I pray, and it's really important, Paul writes, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's praying to the Heavenly Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I love that, that we're named, for God the Father, that the family of God is named. We'll come and talk about that in a minute. That He would grant you, there's that word, dude. I don't know why I keep saying that this morning. He's talking to us specifically. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, which is amazing to me, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That he is sp- praying that our strength would be from God, would be given to us by God in God's strength for the inner person. The original understand that is not a male pronoun, it's for all of us. That we would experience, be able to experience, be able to have. That was Paul's prayer request. That inner strength. Let me suggest to you. That inner strength is a whole lot more important than external strength. Do you agree? I admit, I'm sometimes I'm a Yankees fan. And I'm glad they won last night. But a few years ago, probably four or five years ago when I was still at the college, Clark Summit University, in my role, I was a vice president, but I was in charge of marketing and communications and those kinds of things, and we did some advertising with the, uh, with the rail riders. And uh, I got one time, I was invited uh, with our president to go into the uh, clubhouse at the rail riders. And if you're, if you're a baseball fan at all, or if you're a Yankees fan at all, you'll understand this. Um, a guy by the name of Aaron Judge was still with the Rail Riders then. Last night I came home, I was watching the game, and Aaron Judge made this unbelievable play in the outfield, and he threw a guy out at first to get a double play. Aaron Judge. And they said Aaron Judge is 6'7", 280 pounds, He's a big boy. I got to meet him. Most people in life have to look up to me. I'll tell you a secret. I kind of like that. I looked up at Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, if you know baseball players, had one of those baseball T-shirts on where the the the, 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 the middle is white and the sleeves are blue. You know, you've seen him, right? And I'm not kidding you. Aaron Judge's shoulders were like, Bigger than telephone poles. That's something my dad would say, too. He was a big boy. And I'm like, hi, Aaron. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's like he's an impressive guy. This play last night was deep in right field, and he threw a guy out at at first base. I mean, this, this guy's strong. Let me tell you something, that we live in a culture where physical strength is often idolized, right? Not necessarily big, strong athletes but people that have it all together physically it's like we idolize that or we the external is you know if they're beautiful if they're pretty if they're if they've got it all together we idolize that that is not what Paul prayed for he prayed for the Ephesian people and he prayed that they would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in the inner man so think about that in the inner person I know we we, we idolize people that are like beautiful and strong externally But we know that if push comes to shove, we know that. That inner strength is a whole lot more important. And I'll tell you something, it's a whole lot more powerful, too. Because inner strength helps you not to get rattled. Now, I want to talk about that for a minute. In this passage, verse 16 says this. That he would grant you, it's a prayer request. you, okay, dude, you, according to the riches of his glory, which is incredible, which is phenomenal, which is unlimited, the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So look at that. There's, there's a couple of, I, in English, um, you know, this is translated from Greek, and so in English there's a couple of, I think, Again, I'm going to say incredibly interesting phrases that are in this passage. And and here's one. Strengthened with might. It's almost like double strong. You're strong, but you're also strengthened with might. All right? And that in the inner person. So here's the idea. The Holy Spirit of God. And again, that's why I gave you you the little box that tells about the ministry of the Holy Spirit some of the different things. And it is not, not folks, it is not exhaustive. And so it's incredible to think that the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God works in the inner person to help us do something which is external. And let me say to you again, that inner strength is a whole lot more powerful than external strength. It is. So here's what it is. The Holy Spirit, and here's the word, strengthened with might, That's a phrase that means infuses. It means to be filled or to be saturated with strength. Folks, that's that's incredible. Simple illustration to help us understand. This happened to me a little bit this morning during communion. I picked up a cup of grape juice that was a little bit too full for me. And I don't know, I mean, I, I, I shake a little bit, and I picked it up, Dan reached over, Dan, no offense, Dan reached over, and so I picked it up with my left hand. And I was a little bit nervous. Because I wore white pants today. Done with my illustration. Did you ever have, cup of coffee, and it's too full, and you get jostled, and it spills a little bit, the word infuses, filled, strengthened with might, has the idea that God infuses us so that when we're rattled, so that when we're shook, God comes out because he's infused us so when that terrible driver pulls out on us or when somebody irritates us in life and shakes us or bounces us a little bit that that inner strength comes out that's pretty cool right that god gives us the ability and we all understand that and we all i got my hand up we all fail in that we do We all fail in that, but God gives us that ability. And so Paul prayed, for this reason, I bow my knees. God will give you the strength to be infused, to be filled, to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And so here's what he's saying, that our new nature as believers, our new nature has the ability to live the way that God wants us to live. In other words, strengthened with might, and that is God gives us the strength to live the way he wants us to live. This is not some spiritual spinach that we get. This is God giving us the ability. And so Paul prayed that. And it would be really great and encouraging, right, for us as a church if we started praying for each other that way. I admit I need it. That there are times when I get jostled, and I want, I do, I want God to spill out because it's just part of the nature. And then, before we leave this, that going back to that idea of the inner person, okay? I'm really, really thankful, I really am, that God is concerned about the inner person of Mel Walker. And, and so in the notes, I just put down a couple of illustrations where God, by his Holy Spirit, can infuse me, can infuse you, infuse you, fill you up with the strength from the Holy Spirit. And the first one there is from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, where in your inner being, in your inner person, is Philippians chapter 4, where Paul writes to the Philippian believers, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which is amazing, surpasses even my ability to understand, will guard, put a garrison, put a force field around our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Folks, let me tell you something, and this is for me, too, dude. This is for me. God can give us his strength, which is stronger than human emotions. Right? Number one, we, we sometimes fight with human emotions. And some of us um, have been taught by life, by circumstances, that emotions are pretty strong, right? My dad, I, I've told you over the years, stories about my family and a lot of the things that i tell are are positive but i'm going to kind of break that habit a little bit tell you, my dad when i was growing up was um dominated by his temper my dad i don't know if you can tell probably not by my personality even during the songs this morning but my dad was one of those guys that honestly believed that emotions, for men to show emotion, was wrong. My dad believed that, except for temper. Temper was okay for him. But um, um, my dad, when we were little, would punish us more. Boys, don't cry. And he'd punish us more if we cried. Um, My dad did not believe, I mean, I was a high school basketball player. I could score 30 points in a basketball game and on the way home in the car he'd say, well, you missed your foul shots again, didn't you, Matt? That was my dad. One of the things that I've learned as I've gotten older, first of all, is that emotions are okay and emotions are of God, but not to where we're controlled by the emotion, not to when we're bumped in traffic And we respond with emotions or the anxiety, the anxiousness that Paul writes about here. God's inner strength is stronger than our emotions. It is. And that's a verse that we ought to claim. That's a verse that we ought to memorize and that we realize that God can give us that strength to conquer anger or anxiety or whatever emotional struggle we have. Amen? Let me tell you another one. One of the powerful fights that we have today, because of technology, but it's probably always been true, is the fight of what we put into our minds, folks. God is bigger than our emotions. God is bigger than our thoughts. Those are two things that can control us, right? Our emotions and our and, our, and what we think about. First Corinthians ten. Four four and five. This is a verse we ought to claim and we ought to memorize, or verses that we ought to claim and memorize too. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not fleshly. Praise God, but mighty in God to pulling down of strongholds. Amen. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. One of the things that often just possesses us today is the thought, the negative thoughts of something that happened or something that we put into our minds. God's word is bigger than that. And this passage gives us an incredible strategy which someone, not me, has entitled the principle of replacement. Casting down, literally get rid of it and bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. And there's been times in my life where seriously, where it's the thought of something, the memory or something that i put into my mind just haunts me. And that ought to drive us to the Word of God, to memorize, to meditate the Word of God, so that God's Word fills my mind because God's Word is stronger than our thoughts. He is. It is. Strengthened with might in the inner person. And the Holy Spirit does that. That's amazing to me and incredibly practical, I think. Incredibly practical. Paul prayed for that. For this cause, for this reason, I bow my knees. I pray for you, that you'd be strong inwardly. And I'm telling you, dude, that's stronger than being strong physically, strong externally, to be strong in here, the inward person. The second thing that Paul prays for is that they would have faith in Christ. Look at verse 17, Verse the first part of that. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. I love that. I know you've heard this, and there's been books and stuff written that kind of like criticizes this, but you ever heard the phrase, accept Jesus into your heart, right? And there's even a book, the guy that's now... I mean, I don't know if any of you even care, but it's the guy that's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, a guy by the name of J.D. Greer, wrote a book that says, stop asking Jesus into your heart. And what he talks about is not having assurance, and that as, as a kid we grow up and we've made these decisions, and so we, we keep getting saved because we're not assured, we keep getting saved because we don't have the assurance, and we keep asking Jesus into our heart because we don't have that assurance. Well, the Bible says, 1 John 5, 13, that you can know that you have eternal life. And I think if we put our, put, put, and have God's word fill our minds, that God gives us that strength, that God gives us that confidence, James 3 talks about that, to know that we're saved, to know that we have eternal life, and not to have that based upon emotion or based upon some decision that we made when we were a kid or whatever. But it talks about how, and that's probably where they got it, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. The word dwell there has the idea of to take up resonance, or to be at, at home in your, in your hearts. And I, I love that phrase. Years ago, there was a little book, you can still find it on Amazon, I checked, a little book that by a guy by the name of Robert Munger, M-U-N-G-E-R, that wrote this book, My Heart, Christ, Home. And he uses the illustration of inviting Jesus into your house you go to the door and it's Jesus. He uses this illustration, Munger. My heart Christ home. And so Christ comes into your heart into your into your home, your heart. And he's there at the entryway. And kind of like uh, you look around and you wonder is everything going to be okay for Jesus. So you take him, you know, you take him into the living room and then all of a sudden it hits me, the TV and is what I watch on television there? Or the movies are there. Then my stereo is there or whatever. And then we take them into the dining room. Is what we consume? Is what we eat? Is that going to be fit for Jesus? And then we go into the kitchen and the things that we, you know. And, and so it's kind of like that analogy. But this verse Paul writes and says that Christ may be at home. that he might dwell in your hearts. Folks, by faith. I know you know this, but Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. We had communion this morning, that Jesus took your place, that Jesus is the only way to God, if you believe that. And so I love the fact that Paul prayed for these believers But he prayed that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. And so he prayed that they would have faith, that belief that Romans talks about in their hearts for Christ. And then there's one more, which takes up the chunk of the rest of this passage. And he writes that you would, and I'll tell you why I say this, that you would experience or appreciate The love of Christ. Verse 17b says that you, again, I don't know why I'm doing this, dude, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to know. The love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you, okay, Paul is writing, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. That's, what, that's one of those phrases again. To know something that surpasses knowledge. What? I'll talk about that in a minute. And that you may be filled with the fullness. What? Let me talk to you about that. This is a verse, and I'm going to talk about This is a passage. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. That says to you, this is Mel's interpretation, by the way, okay? That basically says to you, you cannot understand the love of Christ. And yet he tells you that you can comprehend and you can know. Again, what? Those two words, to know and to comprehend, both of them imply that you can know by having it or knowing by experiencing it. In other words, here's how you know the love of Christ is if you've experienced it. It's a word that means that comes from having gone through a process. It's a word that implies because you know, because you can appreciate it, because you've gone through it, because you've had to apply it in your life. The love of Christ. Yesterday afternoon, it's raining up in Clark Summit. I got in my car and I drove out Route 6 from Clark Summit to Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. Took me like two hours and, I don't know, 45 minutes. Literally, Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, you can't get there from here. I was tired, I was tired this morning. But I drove all the way out there and it was a child evangelism fellowship banquet. Someone's going to hear me say this, and I'm going to get in big, big trouble. I am. And there was a few young people there, but the room was filled with old people. Like me. Like me. Because we all talked about how we, everybody, there's 60, 65, 70 people there. We talked about the same stuff. So no, I know they're, my, they're about my age. And I'm thinking, why did I do this? then it hit me. It's child evangelism fellowship. That's what God used when I was five years old. Child evangelism fellowship to bring me to Christ. It was Tuesday night I think. I went with my older brother to what was called Good News Club. And the lesson was on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him Not perish, but have everlasting life. And Rosemary Clark, the teacher, the CES missionary, the teacher, talked about how God loved me so much. My family grew up. I told you about my dad this morning. I grew up. And the thing that hit me that day was, are you kidding me? God loved me enough to send his son to die for me? Let me tell you something. My parents are both in heaven now, I feel a little guilty for saying this. In their entire lives, my parents never said I love you to me. Once at the end, because I remember when I said it, my mom said it back to me, my dad said it back to me. My parents never did. And so in that room, as a little kid, To hear somebody talked about how God loved me. Little Mel Walker. That's hard to believe, isn't it, little Mel Walker? That God loved me enough to send His Son to die for me. I said, okay, I'll put my faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus died for me. And I don't, I can't begin to tell you that I understand or that I could humanly comprehend the love of Christ. But I can know it because I've experienced it. Because my entire life since I was five years old has been because Jesus loved me, went to the cross to die for me, like we celebrated about that. So here's the passage: the love of Christ. And he uses phrases like rooted and grounded. He uses phrases like the width and the length and the depth and the height. Are you kidding? the four-dimensional love which passes knowledge? And he uses phrase to be filled with the fullness, filled with the fullness of Christ. Now, even though I got the, by the magic of Microsoft, right, I made a PowerPoint slide that has all four of those things. Let me just tell you this. I can't begin to explain this to you. I can't begin to explain to you what it means to experience the love of Christ. Other than the fact that, know this, God the Father loved you so much that he sent his only son to earth to die on the cross for you. For you. Point to you. That's unbelievable love, right? And so Paul prayed for the Ephesian people. He prayed that they would have the strength and the inner person of the Holy Spirit, that they would know Christ in their hearts, and that they would experience, you know because you've gone through it, experience the love of God through Christ, because Jesus Died on the cross and shed his blood for you. And then Paul changes gears. And I'm gonna do this really quickly. But if I'm gonna do justice to this passage, we gotta talk about the last couple of verses, then too, right? He switches gears and he says this at the end. And it looks almost disjointed. But I I'm gonna to talk to you about that. Verse 20 says this, his ending. To his prayer. And Paul does this a lot, and it's really a good thing to do. Close prayer by talking about the attributes and the strength of God. But he says this Now, to him who is able to do, again, that language of like, you can't begin to understand this, and yet you can know it by experiencing it. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, which is hard in English, Exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Exceedingly abundantly. Somewhere along the line, we we have the idea that we can pull out that verse out of context, right? We can pull out that verse and say, again, remember my illustration, that this is almost like a spiritual spinach verse that I can yank that verse out of context and say, aha, I got it. All I have to do is pray like, God, I'm I'm just making this up. God, I need a new car. And so in my heart, I'm thinking a Ford. Boy, wouldn't it be great if God would give me a, I used to live in Detroit, Ford, it's okay. If I, you know, it wouldn't be great if I had a Ford. And because I pray, spiritual spinach, My goodness, I wake up or I open my eyes from prayer and there is a Rolls Royce because God did exceedingly abundantly about what I could. I asked for a Ford and God gave me a Rolls Royce. See, that's, sorry folks, but that's spiritual spinach that we think we can throw away prayer. That is not the context of this verse. This is not disjointed at the end. Paul said that, basically, he said to the Ephesian people, those three things, that the Holy Spirit can strengthen you in your inner person, that you can have Jesus Christ in your hearts, and you can experience the love of Christ, and God will even do more than that. Even exceedingly abundantly above what you could ask or think in those things. So let's pray about those things. That's kind of cool, right? That that's what he says, and that kind of brings this together. And then he says this, According to the power that works in us, Again, go back to the, to the text. It's not some spiritual spinach. It's because the Holy Spirit of God is in our hearts. Because Jesus is in our hearts, it gives us the power that works in us. We have that ability as well. And to pray to our Heavenly Father, which is an incredible thing. <coughs> but then he ends this by saying, To Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations. And I got to tell you, I love that forever and ever. Now, I, I got to hurry, but I don't know if you noticed, and I kind of highlighted it a little bit, but I skipped one verse to talk about it in this passage. So let me go back. talking about Ephesians 3.21, but let me go back to the verse that I didn't really talk about, which is verse 15, which I got to tell you, It kind of sums all of this up, verse 21 and verse 15. In the whole family, in heaven and earth, is named. Folks, I'll tell you something. We need to rejoice above rejoicing. I'm kind of talking like Paul. We need to rejoice above rejoicing that we're a part of God's family. For all generations, for all generations, we're a part of something big. And that's what God is doing in the world today and what God has done in the world in the past and what God is going to do in the world in the future. We're a part of that. And I got to tell you, I I love the word family. The word family there doesn't mean family because I think God and his sovereignty would know that as time went on, you're my friends, right? Please understand my heart. As time goes on, we would look at that and we'd think of our family. And some of our families aren't too good. Because there's people because there's sin and some of our families are incredibly dysfunctional and hurting and we don't like that analogy of a family but the truth of it is that about the church of God in the New Testament that God uses that illustration of household or family often but most often he uses a word which really means clan now that's kind of a Jewish thing you know Pastor Todd talked about that last couple, last couple of weeks, about that history and all of that. But in, in the Jewish clan, when their clan got together, I mean, you all come now, right? Everybody, everybody comes. It's kind of like Thanksgiving dinner. When even, you know how it is, right? I mean, again, you know my heart. When even the weird uncle comes, and it's okay. Everybody knows he's weird and he comes anyway. Or it's when the kids come. You know, and the, we make the kids sit at the kids' table, right? We pull out the card table and we have them off to the side. And after the adults eat, the kids can. You know, it's no. Oh, we're we're a part of this. We're a part of God's family, which ought to mean a couple of things: that we ought to rejoice, and that is, we're a part of what God is doing, and that we ought to look at each other in the church. To Him be glory, and the church for all in the church for all generations is that we're family. We're family, and it's not like we can blow this off, or it's not like we can forget it. It's, we're family. And I love that, that that Paul talks about that. He talks about all of these things in the context of family. And then to realize that the church is a family. I told you about my family, my dad. There were parts of times growing up where it was hard. And there were times that I hated my family, human family family but I'm a part of God's family I'm a part of God's family He's my He's my father The Bible just ta- passage talks about that He's my heavenly loving father He cannot love He cannot not love And he sent his son The most important thing in his life, in the universe, he sent his son so that Mel Walker could be a part of the family. No wonder Paul prayed for you, dude. Because it gives you strength in the inner person. You can have Christ in your heart and you can experience the love of Christ because Christ went to the cross for you. And that we can know that by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. To him be glory in the church for all generations. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've taught us this morning, what you've reminded us of this morning. Father, I, I need to be filled, to be infused with your strength in my inner person. I need that. Father, I thank you that Jesus is in my heart by faith. I thank you that you've allowed me to experience the love of Christ, which passes all understanding. Because I'm saved. I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. I've I've come to you, and I, I, I've experienced that. And God, I can be a part of your family, not my human dysfunctional family that sometimes is hard, but I'm a part of your family forever. And God, my prayer is that, that you'd work in hearts and lives, all of us here. And first of all, if there's someone here that doesn't have that confidence to know that they have eternal life, help them they would put their faith and trust in jesus christ alone that jesus would be in their hearts forever father thank you for your love and god for the rest of us i pray that our prayer request for each other and for ourselves would be the same thing that we'd be strengthened in the inner person that that's where our strength would be that we would understand that jesus christ is our savior he's in our hearts and that we would appreciate uh, because we've experienced the love of christ and we're a part of your family And we're named. We have your name. And so, Father, Abba Father, we pray. And thank you for your word and thank you for what you've taught us today. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sorry, I went a little over time. The children's workers are going to be mad at me. Dude. Dude, good job. Dude.